Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone. J.J. Cooper, Kyle Glazer joining you today on another Facebook Live here for Baseball America magazine. As always, we thank you for tuning in. We thank you that these are brought to you by Baseballism. Baseballism sponsors uh, all the Baseball America podcasts and uh, Facebook Lives and it's the official off-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. Shop now at Baseballism.com and enter the offer code BASHIP and receive free shipping on your order. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more. Hats, shirts, as you see. So, Kyle, we are in the midst. Prospect season has begun. We today uh, have the Texas League Top 20 up. We've already rolled out the uh, International League and the Pacific Coast League, our AAA leagues. We'll be going all the way down, Gulf Coast League, uh, AZL, that's coming. Indie Ball, if I can get around to, to, to doing that, uh, you know, it's all coming down the road. But, uh, but we wanted to kind of just to start this Facebook Live. You know, we know we're going to get questions from you. We know we're going to answer a lot of those. But to start this, we did kind of want to give a little insight that we try to do every now and then of just kind of some of the debates that we go through. And you had, I thought, a very interesting one in the California League. You did our California League Top 20. And you're sitting there, not at number one, but we're sitting there at 10, Nick Nider, DJ Peters. Kind of explain how you, a right-hander and an outfielder. So one of the things that is you know unique about Baseball America is just how many resources we have to talk to managers, scouts, front office people. And a lot of times those discussions can help clarify some things, fill in some holes where something might not line up. And then there's guys like DJ Peters where you talk to the managers in the league, loved him, even I hated facing him, mm -hmm. absolutely loved him, even with, you know, just for those who don't know, DJ Peters, Dodgers prospect, 6'6", 21 years old, incredibly athletic for a guy his size, strong. Center, center fielder, right? They may not be there long term, but 6'6", six six center fielder. the middle, enormous power, true plus power that plays in any park, a lot of strikeouts. As in, mm -hmm. you look back at all the other big, big strikeout guys in the Cal League in years past, they were at 26, 27, 28%. Peters was at 33. And so on the surface, that gives you some hesitation. Talk to all the managers in the league. They love him. Say, don't worry about it. He sees pitches well. He was second in the league in walks. Even with that high mm -hmm. strikeout total, he's going to be a standout. You talk to the scouts on the ground, and it's, you know, there's just, I, I think there's going to be too much swing and miss. There's a hole on the inner half. It's going to hamstring him. To me, he'll be in the majors. And he's 6'6", so that inner half hole may be harder to right. fix than but, someone small. So, okay, so the managers love him. The scouts on the ground are less warm. And then you talk to some of the people, the scouting directors at the top, especially the analytically inclined organizations, they love them. So it's like we've got this mishmash of what the evaluators all say. So you take a guy like that who, physical, young, you know, it's his first full season after being drafted, was a fourth rounder, isn't like he's a nobody, came out of nowhere, uh, produced, Ranch Cucamonga is a, essentially a neutral park, and he hit very well there, so you know there's something real. But there's just a wide range of opinions on what he's going to be, who he is. There's, everyone agrees there's upside, but the reality of him getting to that upside is very much in debate. Then you have a guy like Nick Neidert, who is a, also 20 years old, second round, uh, second round pick, you know, a prospect for sure. Mm -hmm. 
and everyone agrees on him. Fourth starter, fourth to fifth starter. You know, has he's not he's not a soft tosser. I mean, he you know he can do some. But it's it's, but it's, it's average. It's, it's average fastball. It's got some secondary. It's really good command. Mixes and matches. And there's lots of guys in the big leagues like that, and the, especially the back of rotations. So you have this guy who, again, is very much a prospect, and everyone agrees. He's good, but it's it's he's good. There's not really a greatness in there. Compared to a guy like a DJ Peters, who, just to give you some insight into how wide the range of opinions is on him, on one end I got a Billy Ashley comp. The same guy, I also got a Giancarlo Stanton comp. Clearly, That's a pretty broad range and, and, of possibilities. I, I, the Stanton one, I, um, that's extraordinarily lofty. I, I, I think there's, there's... But at the same time, you get the point that... Uh, you know, please don't quote me and say Kyle Glazer says DJ Pierce is an extra cost. No, 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 not no, at all. No, but no, but no, just no, the sense no, of you no. get this sense of this huge range. So you take a guy and you say, okay, if he can make an adjustment, and sometimes that's as simple as you know his pre-pitch setup a little bit, mm -hmm. maybe even just moving, you know, adjusting where he's in, standing in the box. There's a chance he can unlock something. Mm -hmm. There's also a very good chance that. You know, just the sheer biology of a guy that's 6'6 and long-armed, and, you know, once you start seeing 94 in the inner half, it's going to be a hole that big league pitchers will exploit. And so figuring out how to rank these guys, the guy that you know and is, are very confident he's going to be a good Well, he has, he has a higher – there's no such thing as a pitcher in True, IA who you know. Exactly. He has a higher Relatively chance. speaking, yes. right, versus the guy who he could end up being that Billy Ashley up and down, you know, bench power bat. Or if he makes an adjustment, all of a sudden you could be looking at a, a plus power, plus arm, solid average run, you know, athletic, 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 athletic outfielder, which is a tremendous asset and is more and valuable is, yeah. than a fourth outfielder. So trying to figure out how you compare those two, and some of it's a bit of a personal preference, you know, likelihood of big leagues versus upside. And we spent a lot of time really debating how we wanted to line those guys up. And to be honest, we settled on something. And even I'm still not 100%. And we're not set. We're, tomorrow is the drop-dead date. We, well, it's in the magazine, as. No. Oh, tomorrow okay. is the drop-dead date. The magazine goes. That goes. That page goes tomorrow. I don't think the designers would be so, very happy with me. Tomorrow, but. it's locked in. Until then, you know, we... So, but, but just to give you some insight. So those are some of the discussions we have here at Baseball America. You know, everyone talks about upside versus, you know, likelihood of reaching the big leagues. And... There's no great answer for it, but I think at the end of the day, it just, you know, this is something we put to scouts, we put to scouting directors, we put to managers, and sometimes it's nice and easy. Everyone agrees, you know, again, speaking California League, because that's what I've done it. Brendan Rodgers is a stud. Even the people who saw him in AA where the numbers weren't as good, he's a stud, he'll be fine, don't sweat it. Mm -hmm. Then you get into this, you know, this much mud, more that, 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 that muddy middle. And then there's even some guys at the back end where it's like, I like him, here's what he is. It's it. I, there's a lot of confidence there. That muddy middle, it's never easy. And and the thing about it is, is one thing I do think that has changed at the major league level is is what organizations do, and it's not always true. I mean, you look at what the Mariners did this year, and the Mariners clearly, they saw value in acquiring a number of pitchers. They needed depth of pitching, and so they acquired in the off season, and you know, on through the season, they have acquired a number of pitchers who would be described as anything from five to six to triple-A arms who come up. Well, I like to call that the number six starter. Right. You know, but you look at the, the industry as a whole, and I do think one thing we've seen, like you see this with, we saw this at the trade deadline, is at the industry as a whole, a lot of teams now would rather take the chance on 
to put it in a bad baseball analogy, hitting the home run rather than settling for the single. And so we saw more and more far away from the, the majors, high risk, high upside prospects acquired and less of the, hey, this guy's not going to be great, but you know you're getting something for him kind of guy. And again, that doesn't mean that that's even right. It's just something, it is interesting. I, I do see, in my time at Baseball America, I feel like that those, the, the risk is kind of bandied about as being less important. To, you know, it, it's fine to take that risk more than it was, I feel like, 15 years ago when I started Baseball America. But it is interesting because there is no perfect answer. In the book, that's why we, one of the reasons we put in the, the BA grade where you have here's the likely ceiling, but here's the risk also, because we know if you're reading the book, you're saying, okay, I like more, you know, I, I, I like this guy more because he's riskier, but he could be more than this guy. Or I like this guy more because I feel more confident he's going to be a big leaguer. It's a, it's a never-ending debate. It's one that we face when, every time we do these rankings. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we have to put one guy 10 and one guy 11. So, and when you see it, you'll see the Cal League list coming out very shortly. Uh, next week, I believe, the yeah. 26th, it'll drop. So when, you, when that happens, you will be able to say, oh, so that's what they decided on. Which, again, technically, we haven't fully decided yet. We still have till tomorrow. The magazine uh, will be sent off to the, uh, the rest of the magazine. We said half of it today, half of it goes to the printer tomorrow. Once that is, it's locked in, can't change it. So we'll see, we'll see how I feel when I wake up in the morning. I have a couple other things we want to talk about, but we're going to hit some questions also. Um, uh, I'll start with Joe uh, Lawrence asks, do you see Tyler O'Neill being an impact bat major with the Cardinals? Tyler O'Neill, who, speaking of trades, was traded. Speaking of a perfect, wow, this, thank you, Joe. This, this analogy could not be better. I think I think Marco Gonzalez is lesser than Nick Nider. Just now he not, is. Not, now. Now, now he is. Not three, if you'd have four said where he was when he was in high A, and you just said Tyler O'Neill for Marco Gonzalez at that time, I think it would have been a near perfect analogy because Tyler O'Neill was a high power, high strikeout outfielder. It still is. And well, he's also playing center field for Memphis right. in the AAA. Pension is likely going to end up in a corner. And, and Marco Gonzalez, yes, and Marco Gonzalez is a back of the rotation, but again, pre-injury was right. seen at, as a at guy. At this point, he's more of a number seven starter, which right. is why the trade was Seems. really strange at the time. O'Neill had a great finish. You know, he just his his season, his minor league season, just finished literally yesterday because they lost in the uh, in the AAA national championship. Twenty five of his thirty one home runs, I believe, came after it was shortly before. I want to say like July twentieth ish, yes. somewhere in there. After. Terrible first half, excellent second half with a slug of like six eighty, something crazy. Um, you see me an impact bat. I think he of. The Cardinals, as I think we've even talked on here before, the Cardinals have a crazy situation where they have about nine outfielders in double A or above. So I'm actually doing their handbook, and yeah. as I've started that process, uh, the short answer is I do think he will get his shot. It's interesting, you know, lining up, you know, Bader, him, Sierra, Jose Adeliz Garcia. We've seen Oscar Mercado have a turnaround now in double A. And that's not and, counting and the Randy, Randy Rosarena. And that's not counting at the big leagues where you already have Tommy Pham, who's having a season that you can't push him aside. Dexter Fowler, who's locked up for quite quite many more years. Uh, Randall, Randall Grichuk. Randall Grichuk, uh, uh, Stephen Piscotti, 
and Jose Martinez, who I know he plays a lot of first base now, but is also an outfielder and has also been extremely productive in so, limited role. I do think that we will see Tyler O'Neill in a St. Louis Cardinals uniform sometime next year. Injuries always play a role in it. Heck, they lost almost all those guys at some point this year, and thus you saw Maggie Sierra come up from high A. I do think Tyler O'Neill has a chance. I really think this is a guy. One of the comps I made on him when he was with the, uh, with the Mariners was actually Chris Davis. And Chris Davis is a guy, you go back and look at some of those early years, you saw 240 with a 290 on base, 20 some on homers, and then gets to Oakland after the trade from Milwaukee, and you've seen it get better and better. The on base has gotten better. As a result, the power numbers have gone up, and all of a sudden, because you know, Tyler O'Neill's 5'11 and jacked. Guess what? Chris Davis, 5'11 and jacked. Yep. And I, so I do think yeah, that... we're talking about Chris with a K here, just right, to clarify. Right, right, Not, not Chris with a C, who's with the Orioles. Athletics, you know, Chris Davis is now uh, set back-to-back 40... He's on the verge of his back-to-back 40-home-run season. His on-base has shot up about 40 points as he's gotten into mm-hmm. the year four, year five of his career. I do think Tyler O'Neill can be that guy because he will show good plate discipline. He just gets into these ruts, and his swing path can get a little steep uphill. But he's athletic, there's big power, good makeup. I think if the Cardinals give him a chance, he'll make the most of it. I do think of all the outfielders we just talked about for them in the minors, I do think that O'Neill, when we talk about the game in 2017, he is the guy who has easily the best power of that group. Which he's depending, the best power in the entire Cardinals system. Right, which depending on how you define impact, I mean, the reality is, is that he's the guy, as you said. If you said, okay, a guy's going to be a 40 home run guy, Tyler O'Neill's the guy of all those Cardinals uh, hitter outfielders who you could say, yeah, that's, that's at least in the realm of possibility. So he does have a chance. Um, Chris Brumfield asks, where does Mackenzie Gore start next year? Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne. Potters, and Blades. it'll be Fort Wayne fans, you had a great year this year. Got good news for you. Probably going to be just as good or very close to it next year. There's more on the way. Because you're going to see a lot of those July 2 guys who they spent a bazillion dollars on last year. You know. right, we saw some of them come up this year. Right. Michelle, Michelle, well, Michelle Bass, who's December signing, yeah. um, but you know, saw Gabriel Arias come up at the end of the year, saw Adrian Morahone for a chunk of the year. Next Didn't Luis Almazar at the very end, too? I think for the playoffs. So they had two 17-year-olds in the lineup. Did, if he did, I missed that. But two I mean, 17-year-olds in the lineup, see, I think. You know, you'll have other guys. You know, Jordy Barley did a lot of really good things down in Arizona uh, like, this year. Yeah. Um, you know, we saw uh, Justin Lopez, you know, go up to Tri-City. <laughs> I mean, there, there's a lot, particularly in the infield, there's a lot of good infield talent, and you'll see uh, some good arms as well that can really bring it with some velocity. Uh, Roman Stout asks, is Acuna a top-of-the-order hitter or middle-of-the-order hitter for Atlanta next season? I like how you asked that. Next year, which obviously does involve someone has come and cleared Matt Kemp or Nick Markakis out of the way because that is the that is impediment number one. I think you'll see him if he does make that, you know, even if it's not the opening day roster. When he first comes up, like all rookies, he'll be hitting 7th, 8th, somewhere in there. They'll ease him in. You know, if you envision the middle of the order next year, you're going to have Freddie Freeman, mm-hmm. one of the Kemp Markakis, if they can't move both, it'll be mm-hmm. tough to move both. Mm-hmm. I still think at the top of the order, you'll probably see Inciarte and Albis. I think you'll probably see Acuna, depending on who else moves, kind of in that five, six, seven range. Some I of think, it, again, depending on his performance. I, I think, yeah, that if your situation for the Braves was different, I could see him probably even being as well-suited to be a, a number two hole hitter right now. He has enough plate discipline, even as a rookie, I think, that he could pull that off. But you've got Enciarte, you've got Alves. They need, the reality is, is lineup-wise, 
Right. He's not going to bump one of them unless they one of those guys really starts to struggle, right. which can happen. But you got to remember, NCRT could struggle all next year. At this point, it's like. No, you're still our dude. <laughs> I mean, it's something where, you know, people seem to, it's not just about what the prospect's talent right. is, it's who does he have to remove, and if the veteran is performing, they're not, for the most part, going to bump him. And the thing that also works with that, though, is, is that you look at just, again, how the lineup sets up. This is obviously, we do not also know, and this is the point, if I'm looking at the Braves for the offseason, this is the point where it's time to start adding some free agents as well. They have not, they have... They have lowered the payroll for a couple of years here, except for the acquisition of Kemp. Which and I mean, Marquez was a free agent. But Marquez was well. a free agent from the previous regime right. signing, um, you know. But so with that, I do say, okay, I know they've got Austin Riley coming, but you know, whether it's a third baseman, whether it's you know, they're 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 they have a lot of positions where you already say, okay, this is going to be their guy next year. Right. It's but adding one or two veteran bats would not be a bad idea. Not at all. And I think third base. I mean. The Freddie Freeman, Matt Adams thing, it, there are better alignments you can use. As yeah. well as, those are both good players, but from an optim, optimal uh, defensive alignment, you, you can improve that. Um, so we got a couple of statements but I can, that we actually can kind of offer uh, something on. Ryan Roberts says, Dylan Tate, question mark, which the answer is Dylan Tate, big year this year because Dylan Tate looked a whole lot more like the guy who went fourth overall a few years ago in the draft and a lot less like the guy who, at the, if we were talking this time last year, or when we were talking at this time last year, we were talking about, wow, talk about a disappointing season. And at this time, last year, the stuff just, I mean, he was traded in part because the stuff was just. I think we had some reports of the stuff was falling down, and then the, as a result, kind of the mound presence, the body language was getting negative, so you just started to see it kind of snowball. And, I think it's where sometimes a fresh start really can make all the difference in the world. Uh, and it snowballed in the other direction this year and went back up the mountain because you were seeing the 96s and 97s again, not the 88s and 89s that we saw. You know, And again, velocity is not everything, but when you're talking about a pitcher who has basically his He's fastball a fastball. I mean, that's yeah. his thing. He's a power arm, and if the power arm disappears... He didn't really have a whole lot of plan B for that. Right, and, and give him credit. And again, I, I go back to, you know, people ask things like, oh, you know, Alex Jackson had a really nice year with the, with the Braves this year. I don't think he has this year in the Mariners system. I think you can make the argument Dylan Tate might not have had this year in the Rangers mm -hmm. system. Just like every other human being in the world, sometimes you get out of a relationship and into a new one, you're kind of a better person in that new relationship. You go from an old job to a new one where it just everything around you just clicks better. Sometimes you're a better employee. And... You know, baseball players are human beings too. I think it's just kind of human nature. Sometimes we need a fresh start, and when you get that fresh start, everything just works better for you. And at least on the surface, that certainly appears to be what's happened with Dylan Tate. And I think if the question is, is he a legit prospect again, the answer is yes. Oh, I think, I think, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, again, and that's in a, a very good system. So he's still going to rank uh, pretty well. Um, uh, another one that I, I liked here was we got a question. Uh, Joe Lawrence asked, also asked, how do you feel about Brandon Marsh and Dylan Carlson seasons? Feeling really good about Brandon Marsh. The key thing, obviously, the starting point is Brandon Marsh actually got on the field. Right, and that's the thing with him. You know, he had the back stuff coming out of the draft, and then this year he uh, jammed his thumb, and there was some concern it could be a, it could have been a Mike Trout-esque type of thumb injury. It wasn't. It wasn't as bad. He performed well. Uh, Bill Mitchell will have our Pioneer League top uh, top 20 in a few weeks, and Brandon Marsh is going to rank really high. Now, Dylan Carlson is a guy that, talking to just some people around, 
They love the person. They love the makeup. There's still some questions on, on the skills. You saw him get a little better. Uh, he started slow. He kind of was getting better month by month, but he couldn't really, he never really exploded mm -hmm. out of that. So again, you know, high school guy, Midwest, you know, California high school guy, Midwest League, cold weather. You know, he didn't do anything. There was nothing about his season that people just went, oh my God, they really messed up. No, this it's is not a good player. But it was, there was nothing there that made people say. It was a non-distinct, yes. non, uh, there was nothing real so, distinctive about the so, season. So if you're asking which one you take, even though Carlson's at the higher level, you take Marsh. Marsh wows people with his skills, with his athleticism, with his production. Yeah, I mean, that was, again, you look at, we keep saying it, the Angels farm system. It's not great yet, but it is a good bit better than it was. One of the things with that is that they've drafted well lately, and one of the things even more than that is, is it really helps when you have draft picks to draft well yes. with. If you don't draft until the third, fourth round, it's Tough. really hard to have a really good draft. Um, you know, we're, we're going to keep hitting some of these questions. One more we're going to do right now, but I do also want to bring up one other topic at least that we want to cover. Uh, Matt Hickman asks, what can we expect from Guadalupe Chavez now that he's unretired? I'll take that one because I do the Astros yeah, top 30. Um, you, you really, it, the fact that he's back is obviously good news because this was a legit prospect, a guy we've ranked, uh, I believe, twice in the top 30 before. He is your definition of crafty with a solid, wide-ranging assortment of pitches. I wouldn't say that he really has plus stuff, but he, he obviously has lost a year. But a pitcher losing a year, I'm less worried about than a hitter losing a year. But really, the big thing now is, is you're hoping that he's in a place now where, you know, okay, going forward, this is not going to be an issue for him. He stepped away from the game. That is a concern. At the same time, if I'm going to offer up, I can offer a positive, you know, scenario for that. Danny Duffy stepped away from the game, came back, kind of renewed, and once he did that, he, you know, basically became a uh, really a, a front of the rotation starter for the Royals. So it's not like stepping away and saying, I think I'm done with this, and then coming back means that you have no hope of, of ever making it back. You know, one guy who's similar, Yohan Lopez in the Diamondback system, obviously big Cuban signing, a lot was said about him, and you know he frankly drove off after a poor start and told everyone he was going to retire, and Diamondbacks let him step away. You know He went from being this, this tail of a bust to kind of being forgotten about, and he kind of reemerged this year. In Visalia, they put him in a bullpen, and this talked about he was loose, he was happy, he was enjoying the game and the stuff came back. And sometimes, again, human beings yeah. take a step back, you know, especially kids, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, take a step back, gather your breath, refocus, and, you know, find what made the game fun again. That can go a long way toward a prospect's success every bit as much as their tools. Um, but before we wrap this up, we did also want to talk about, you know, we, we talked about kind of the debate we go through and then the funny thing is, is we also, I mean, we keep track of the major leagues partly because it's like, okay, when we're doing these rankings, we're also looking at what is the guy who turned out like this? What is the guy who turned out like this? One of the guys who's turned out in a way this September that it's amazing, Matt Olson with the uh, with the A's, who five straight games with a homer. He's homered at fifteen of twenty one, eight of ten, fifteen of twenty one, which is. I, I, well, I will say, and this is not a knock on baseball in 2017, it is beyond, I've seen a lot of baseball. It is beyond my, the power of this year has truly kind of exceeded my comprehension, much like it did at the turn of the century, where you're like, what I have calibrated in my head doesn't fit anymore, because 15 of 21 is something that I don't have calibrated in my head, what that even means. Like, it's just, 
It's and we, and it's and we've seen a couple guys come up and and do things. Like Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins. Obviously, Judge last year struck out a lot, but coming into this year, right off the bat, Gary Sanchez last year. We have seen more and more. It feels like at least young guys come in. You know, maybe not their first time in the big leagues because Olson was called up mm-hmm. last year, but their first real extended everyday time over the course of weeks and just right off the bat, crush. And, oh. and again, it goes back to in Matt Olson's case, adjustments. Mm-hmm. His stance is different. He's a little bit more athletic in his stance. But it also, this is where this is difficult when we're talking about prospects, is we're seeing a number of guys, and we'll have more about this as the offseason goes along, but the minor league adjustments, it's always been true that hitters can get better, pitchers can get better, especially pitchers. It's always been true of a pitcher. You can have a guy who's lost, you talk about Juan Lopez, or an Archie Bradley, they go to the pen, and all of a sudden it's like, hey. Or you see a guy... And he lacks something, and then he adds a pitch. Or Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber. And it's like all of a sudden, Corey Kluber, Corey Kluber, big leaguer, telling a scout, I mean, again, I'm not saying there may be a scout out there, but a scout seeing Corey Kluber in A-ball and saying, this guy's going to be a Cy Young winner because he's going to have this slider that's really like as good as anyone in baseball, which is a pitch he doesn't throw. Or, well, and, you know, teaching the, the two-seamer game. Yeah. I mean, the arsenal was not the same. No. And then it became, you know, under the Indians' instruction, but, incredible. But what we're seeing now, Aaron Judge had a, a pretty significant minor league track record. This is not a guy who went and was in one year at A-ball and was in the – this is not Ronald Acuna, where whatever Ronald Acuna does in the big leagues, we're only going to have – if he makes the big leagues next year, we had one year of full season, full year of minor league, his resume, statistically. Aaron Judge had a multi, a three-plus-year minor league resume in which he never slugged over 500. Never hit more than 20 home, never got to 20 home runs in a minor league season. Now, some of that is there were some partial seasons right. in there, but when I wrote that feature on him earlier in the year, you know, that was one of the things. I mean, never hit more than 19 home runs in any minor league season. It said never slugged over 500, goes up to the big leagues, and voila. Um, you know, Matt Olson did hit 37 for Stockton a few years ago, but... Combined, he's now going to have 40-plus majors and minors this year. That's still a number he never hit. And it's not just the big sluggers. Look at a guy like Manny Margot, who no one has ever thought was going to be a double-digit power guy. Even you know, talking to the guys in the Padres system last year, it's like, I, I just don't see more than seven or eight home runs in there. He hits six in El Paso, where balls fly. Comes up and hits 13, playing his home games in Petco. The, the one that, had, that <laughs> scouts have told me that just they, like when you say and again, Trying to explain the power of the major leagues at this point is, is almost impossible. But Freddie Galvis, I, 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 Freddie Galvis in the minors was often a guy who was described as like guys who liked him were like, I really like this guy. Now he's, you know, he's a Slap he's a hitter. If you gave him thirty future power, you were like really aggressive. Thirty, like he didn't hit the ball out in BP. He didn't drive the ball in games. There was no aspect of it. There was nothing in his body that said, oh, give him five years and he'll be an entirely different. Christian Pache didn't hit a homer this year in the minors in low A for the Rome Braves. Really good prospect. But you talk to guys and they're like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. Look at the shoulders. He's 18. Give him five years. He's gonna, his body's going to look entirely different. Freddie Gallus didn't get that. <laughs> And Freddie Gallus is now has a 20-home run season on his resume. I, I do think some of it we have to take into account. Citizens Bank Park is a little bit of a joke, especially for left-handed hitters when it comes to home runs. You hit those low liners and they go out. Same with Yankee Stadium, for that matter. But at the same time, I, I do think it's interesting 
you know, fans have talked about it, but we, you know, one-on-one conversations with scouts, they're now, ha- they're talking about how they have trouble evaluating parent things that they knew and were fundamentally true and they were right on for seven, eight, nine, ten years, and now they're questioning themselves because, like, I know who this guy is. This guy has, you know, he's a hit over power guy, and then he's got some, you know, maybe he can run into a few, and then he goes up and hits 28, 29, and you're wondering, what did I miss? And it's happening again and again and again. Well, but the other part of that is, is that, Again, when we talk about talk about calibrations, in my head, you talk about average power, 15 to 20. 15 to 20 in 2017 is below average power. We looked at, because I, I, I was curious about this, because it came up with some conversation with some scouts. For players that get 600 at-bats in the major leagues, mm-hmm. average power is now 21 home runs in the American League, 20 in the National. That was as of a few weeks ago. It might have shifted a little bit since then. But average for you know 600 at-bat players is 20 and 21. Above average is now 27, 28. What well, used to be plus. I mean, it's almost like everything's been moved up a half right. grade. Right. I mean, it is interesting, Like, but it's all compressed in the middle in some ways. Like, when we talk about, again, we've gone through this before. I remember, you know, like when we were going through it the last time, and it's like, okay, if you're seeing 60 home runs, if Barry Bonds is hitting 70 plus, then what is 80 power? But back then you had, it was five, six guys hitting 50 plus. Now, we're gonna have a season where when it's all said and done, we're probably gonna have one guy who top 50, but you're gonna have pretty much entire lineups topping 20. I've actually been keeping track of it on, on my, uh, I have a nice little Excel spreadsheet on my desktop that I'm gonna put out when the season ends, just showing here's how many guys hit 20 plus, 30 plus, 40 plus in the majors, 14, 15, 16, and we were seeing it go up every single year. and. Uh, as the season ends, I'll, I'll put it out there when we have the final numbers. But Not that the, far away now. The, the trend is really uh, not that hard to pick up on. <laughs> it is crazy to think we're also we're coming up. Playoffs will be here before you know it, which is awesome. We have now put the minor league season officially to bed. That ended last night. Go to BaseballAmerica.com. John Manuel for us was there. I uh, was on the broadcast, actually, if you watched the broadcast. but So he, will, uh, he summarized the Durham Bulls winning the AAA National Championship. That was the last minor league game of the regular season. So in pennant race and playoff time, that's time of the year for Major League Baseball. We got a few more questions in there? Yeah, we'll hit a couple more. Uh, James Tate, why is Gohara, Luis Gohara, struggling so much in the bigs? Does he need to address his approach? Was he rushed too much or what? He began the year in high A. He, he had never pitched above low A last year. This was a very, very, very aggressive run up the system for a kid who... This is a taste. This is not, you know... 21, like... Do not judge anything on his results this year. Does he have things to work on? Of course. So does every other 20-year-old pitcher who, frankly, should probably still be in AAA, but you know the Braves have shown they're kind of bringing some guys up who may or may not really be ready. And just as a little well, bit. They, and he's a guy that had to be on the 40 Yeah, man. he already had to be. He had to be on the 40 because he was going to be Rule 5 eligible. So that's part of it, too, where it was, well, if we have to put him on the 40-man anyway, Let's give him a couple starts, see what he does. The, the key thing I think also to remember with that is, is that I'm looking at his stats now to get what his number is now. So 80, uh, he's over 100, well over 100 innings this year. Had never done that before in a season. Let's be honest, partly because he had a couple times where he showed up and they're like, yeah, it's going to take you a while of conditioning just to be ready to get on the mound. And he's a big dude. But, you know, but the big thing this year is, is that he had a full season, over 100 innings, but the other thing is, is he'd never done this before. If, I know the stuff's still coming out of the hand pretty well, 
If you told me that he is utterly and totally gassed at this point, that would not surprise me in any way. He's never pitched anywhere close to this many innings before, and his season started early. So basically, Braves fans, don't sweat it. He's a great prospect. You, did, you guys did really, really, really well to only give up Malik Smith and Chase Simmons and end up with Luis Gohara. Hope great trade. Uh, and let's, we'll end it on this one again, a statement, but uh, we can riff on it, which is Robert Anderson that says, Jorge Guzman. And let me say, working on the New York Penn League, Jorge Guzman, thumbs up. Uh, great season for him. Giant step forward. Um, if you are in a deeper league, and I, it's funny, I know that you're in a fantasy, fantasy league people, their league's deep depth goes insane to no depth of how deep you go. Because I've had conversations with people, and it's like, yeah, I picked up that guy based on y'all's DSL top 20, which, okay, you're going deep. Or based on the July 2 he signed and he was y'all's number 11 prospect. Okay, that's insanely deep. If you're in a less less deep than that, because if you're that deep, Jorge Guzman's already been signed, I mean, by someone. But Jorge Guzman is a prospect who is, the arrow is pointing very strongly upward. And at the, by the, I will say this, by the turn of 2018, a lot, you're going to be hearing a lot more about Jorge Guzman than you are now because he hasn't done in full season ball. And that's a huge step. As much as these guys, their errors are pointing up, the difference between holding up over 40, 50, 60 innings of short season ball versus 120, 130 mm-hmm. in the full season leagues playing against mostly guys who are going to be older than you in the case of some of these international sides, it's a big difference, but you can only do as much as you can and, in the league you're placed, and he did that. And the key thing for him is is that he's always had a great arm, but the control has always been a problem. That is, he, He's literally more than halved his walk rate the last year and a half, which, you know, nice pickup. That was the key part of the Brian McCann trade that they got from the Astros to the Yankees. Obviously, the Astros got McCann. So uh, good pickup so far for the Yankees there. We thank you for coming out. We thank you if you're listening to this on the Baseball America podcast. And we do want to remind you that today's podcast and Facebook Live was sponsored by Baseballism. Don't forget to shop now at Baseballism.com and enter the offer code BASHIP, B-A-S-H-I-P, to receive free shipping on your order. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more today. So, for Kyle Glazer, I'm J.J. Cooper. We thank you for tuning in, and we'll talk to you again soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.